Welcome to Between the Vines. I'm Kevin Martin. I'm here with Jennifer Phillips Russo for your weekly update, uh, this time during our harvesting season. So we are right in the midst of harvest and we've got some updates related to what's going on in harvest in our region and how things are going, at least, you know, from what we've heard in terms of what we've heard from processors and growers and we don't always hear everything. So we'd like to, we'd love to hear from you, but uh, we'd like to share with you what we've heard so far. Jen? Yeah, hi everybody. So in some of my conversations with some of the industry representatives today, so that we can have an update for you in the crop update, they have concluded with the Niagara harvest. And I have to tell you that I was told this was a great and excellent Niagara harvest that came in. The fruit was clean. He said that the growers did an excellent job this year in terms of insect and disease control. So great job. We appreciate that you are working really hard at that. And if you guys have any questions about what you should be doing, if you maybe weren't as happy as some others, then please feel free to reach out. We can certainly get you some information on spray and resources. So good job with the Niagara's. As far as Concord goes, it's in full swing right now. Um, being out in the vineyards, I can tell you that the wood looks really good. I feel like we're setting ourselves up for a great year next year, hopefully. So everything's looking good out there. And last year, of course, we had that huge crop last year. And so the wood was a little bit spindly, a little paper wood as we were going through. And I'm not seeing that as I'm out there this year. And that was also confirmed through an industry representative whom I spoke to this morning. There is a lot of shelling going on and great berry moth going on. And I think that you're going to see a lot of that shelling in some of those heavy great berry moth vineyards. We talked a little bit about that last week as well. That's still happening. If anybody has any idea how to turn the rain off during harvest, that would be fantastic. If you could share that with the rest of the group, please let me know. <laughs> That's about all I have right now is just be careful out there. I know a lot of harvesters are traveling down the roads. So keep yourself safe. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm, I think it might depend on what what areas, you know, I think we're seeing some regional variation during harvest that we talked a little bit about maybe at 30 days post bloom and it's really kind of um, presenting itself now. So uh, Northeast Pennsylvania and really Pennsylvania in general, but specifically Northeast, um, it looks like there is there are lower bricks there. Uh, probably due to crop load or certainly due to crop load. Yeah. Um, I have heard from processors that I, that they're also seeing load cancellations in the Westfield area due to bricks. I'm not sure where that's coming because I haven't experienced it or seen it um, or, or really what's driving that. I think it might just be concern with um, you know, bricks being on the edge. So, you know, if you're if you're getting brick samples at 15-1, maybe you're not confident enough to harvest. It doesn't really appear to me that bricks are going to be an issue or quality is going to be an issue with Concord harvest. You know, from what I've seen, everything is is close to or over 15 bricks. Um, but depending on the area, I do think because of the heavy crop last year, there is still some impact on wood ripening and vine size. Uh, going into next year. Where have you seen that? So do you think um, they're heavily cropped because they maybe frosted last year? So, no. So so because they were so cropped last year, uh, vine size. So it's not, not to say that the wood that is there, you know, the wood that's there is ripe. There's just not enough of it. Um, oh, I see what you're saying. 
Right. So they, they were so heavily cropped last year that, that it does look like now that, you know, the growing season for shoot length at this point is pretty much over. So we can see what that final shoot length is and it's just not there. Um, so I would say I've seen that in Portland and Pomfret and Hanover and um, Silver Creek and Sheridan. I have not seen that on the other side of Westfield, but that may just be a lack of observation. But but from what I've seen in the Westfield area, um, I haven't seen that at, to as great of an extent. Um, probably Cattaraugus County, I've seen quite a bit of it. Um, you know, I, th I think it's just there's there was a lot of heavy crops last year. We'll see what how that turns out, because some of those yields are pretty low. So the, the one way it could turn out positively is if those buds that are there are just very, very fruitful, you could see a normal crop next year. But but enough that it's a little bit concerning, I think, and just kind of a reminder that we know last year a lot of growers would have done very well by doing just a little bit of thinning. Right. So, you know, I'm not trying to make the case when grapes are $400 a ton that over thinning is a good thing, but but a, a little bit would have gone a long way. There was a lot of shelling last year that just probably would have been less so had there been some thinning. And um, I'm not seeing as much shelling this year. Uh, I haven't seen very much shelling at all other than by right next to woods. So, you know, the first very five, much. six rows. Not, everything i mean and i think it i think it presents itself more maybe when crop is lower so you know you lose four ton to the acre and you've got 12 ton to the acre you don't notice that oh it's like eight ton for the first four rows that was terrible but when it's four and it goes down to zero because of wildlife then then you tend to notice that um raccoons deer everything really i mean i i think everything is a little more dramatic when the when the crop size is smaller and that's why it's being noticed but i'm not sure and then yes of course great bearing moth um but the other thing i've noticed is crop estimation is is not where it should be um the, i've had people texting me saying probably you know we never ever nobody ever believes it in july when we do crop estimation and it always comes to fruition when they get to harvest yeah, so the numbers that growers came up with are um, are lower than than what they what they expected. Um, I, I'm not necessarily saying that they took you know five samples per acre, or I don't even know if they weighed fruit or clean picked a panel. But um, in the range of twenty to thirty percent is what I have seen. Um, which is about the same error that they had last year in the other direction. So, you know, I think what informs a lot of crop estimation is what is an average crop and they don't want to drift too far from that average and be incorrect. Um, I think that's what's going on, but I don't know for sure. I don't know what their protocols are. I just know that, um, you know, we're seeing some modification in scheduling because of crop estimation, because obviously crop estimation informs scheduling. So when, crop estimation needs to, when crop estimation becomes actual, then schedules change. And, you know, we're, we're three, two, three, four days into harvest and we're seeing those modifications. So, and we saw, I saw it with Niagara harvest as well. Obviously it doesn't happen as much with Niagara har harvest because we just don't grow as much Niagara. So a big change in schedule is like, I have, I don't know, five loads instead of 10 is what most growers have, even if they're 50% off. So it's, 
the change in the schedule is one day, so so you don't notice it as much. Um, but we're that it's a you know that a a twenty percent error in Concord is is a is an error that compounds itself in terms of how much it affects um, what we see going down the road or in the plant or something like that. Well, then I guess I would just like to add that for next year, if you are one of those people that are noticing that you're coming in lower than what your crop estimation came out as, we can certainly help you with that protocol. It's also on our on our website at lergp.com. It depends on where you take your samples, when you take your samples, and there's a chart. It doesn't have to be directly at 30 days post-bloom, but if you're 35 days post-bloom, we can help you extrapolate those numbers on that chart to figure it out. Right. And, um, you know, the other thing you can do is if you're doing that at the time, you can pay attention to berry weights. And if you pay attention to berry weights, so we know we don't know everything at 30 days post bloom, but we also know we know what we know and we, we know what we don't know. And if you know what you don't know, you can change it later. And what I mean by that is Did you follow that everybody else. Well, I'm going to explain it. But what I mean by that is, is you have a, you know, your 30 day weights, you have a very good idea of how much fruit is there. It's essentially, you know, you know, you know how many berries are there, even though you're just taking a weight, you know how many clusters are there. The only thing that's going to change, because you're not going to get more or less clusters, you're not going to get more or less berries, is the berry weight. And we know sort of the window and what that where that's going to change, like what time of year it's going to change. And we know how much it can change. So um, you know, if we see a lot of rainfall and you see your berries suddenly becoming larger than normal, you know that your crop estimation might have been off a little bit and you can go out and measure it and you can make those changes, you know, before October 15th. Like this, these things occur before October 15th. We don't suddenly have 2.8 gram berries on, you know, October 7th that suddenly become 3.3 gram berries. Yes. They change a little bit at that time, but most of what has happened by the time you need it for scheduling has already taken place and you can change your crop estimation. No, you can't thin it. You can't say, oh, I thought I had 12, but I really had 10. I wish I didn't thin. But what you can do is you can make sure you have a good crop estimation so your schedules reflect what you need to harvest efficiently. And so you, you can take that sample at any time. 30 days post bloom, yeah, that's ideal for crop thinning. But for the purposes of efficient harvest, you can just do it every couple of weeks. You can go in and take another sample and see where things are at. I mean, that's what you do with, that's what we do here um, with Verasion to Harvest. That's, that's something that you could do with less or more samples, depending on your level of resources on your own farm. Right, that's really great advice. I was just looking through my crop update because we do have some updates on the varieties we do test here. So we do Verasion to Harvest. That's funded by the New York Wine and Grape Foundation, and it's across New York State. We collect it on a weekly basis and then compile all of the information and send it out to you in that newsletter. But then we also here at Clarel do the varieties that are here, most of the varieties here, not all, at the station, and we report on those weekly. So. A lot of ours are harvested, Vignol, Niagara, Saval, Delaware, they've been harvested and gone. But what's left, we have Rieslings and Vincent and Ives that we're tracking here. And those are averaging 17.9 is the highest right now in the Riesling. And um, 
Verasion to Harvest are different. There are other varieties in there, so make sure you look at them both if you're interested in where bricks are across the region. And we have our Vincent and Ives are 16.6, as Vincent Ives is 17.1. So we will continue to monitor those until they are harvested. Next week. Yeah, I think, yeah. We have, I'm sorry, I always say, yeah, yes. And I yell at my children for that as well. So in my crop update, I always include Dr. Terry Bates's Lake Erie update for the, the fresh Concord berry curve that he puts in there. So we've had adequate precipitation. <laughs> Some areas more adequate than others and moderate temperatures, it has cooled down. That's caused the fresh berry weight like Kevin was touching, touching on to climb and also the soluble solids in the Concords. So the fresh berry curve has been tracking with the long-term mean for most of the season. But as our berry weight um, model predicted, it is now running above average with the high vine water status. So. So, yeah, so what I would say is I bet there were some sites, especially with lighter soils at 30 days post bloom, if you looked at their berry curve, um, they probably more than doubled at this point, um, at this point during your, if they were doing their own variation to harvest. And I would, I would guess that they were, could have been even below 1.5 grams and now they might be above three. Um, but about 50% of that, you would have captured before harvest even started. You would have said, hey, look what's going on. We've got this rain in early September, late August. Uh, we're starting to see that berry weight climb a little bit faster than what, what we expected. And it looks like it's gonna double or or more. It's not going to be on the other side of that equation where it could be less than doubling. So that, that can inform your crop estimation and probably your scheduling because yes, your estimates were due before September, but we see a lot of modifications to scheduling. Pretty, It's pretty easy to accommodate those, those modifications uh, in the early part of September for Concord. Um, and you know, what that does, if you have a good idea of what you know, what your actual crop is and what your bricks are, there's just going to be less movement in harvest and less um, rescheduling. So you just spend less hours of labor doing your harvest. And that's, and I mean, I know that the processors have their own motivations because they see efficiency levels increase, but growers will as well. I would like to, um, sort of switch gears. I don't want to get completely off of the harvest. Do you have anything you wanted to add to that, Kevin? No, not to harvest. No, go ahead. Just a couple of things I wanted to touch base on. And we've talked about it the last couple of weeks, but while you're out there in your vineyards during this time, just keep your eye out for the spotted lantern fly. It is definitely the, this is the easiest life stage to be able to identify it because they are quite large bugs and they're flying around. And if you do happen to find one, report slf.com. That'll take you right to the New York State Ag and Markets website if you're in New York to report that because it is, we need to track its movements across the state. So keep your eye out for that. Dr. Lynn Sinoski, we have put it in our cropped updates is looking for a weed survey, response to her weed survey to see if you have, or think that you have um, resistance in some weeds. So if you could kindly, it's a short survey, it's not very long. If you could kindly take a moment and click on that that would be very helpful to guide research efforts. Do you have anything to add to any of those? Clean sweep is coming up, I think, is it is it this week? I'm sorry, I don't have that right in front of me. So if you have pesticides <laughs> that you've wanted to get rid of, clean sweep is going around in our region, in our district, that's District 9. Yeah, that'll be in 
Faulkner, but I don't have it in front of me, so I actually don't have the date or time. So um, we will push that out in our crop update uh, and get that to you this week. I'm just going to do a quick search in my email if you have anything to talk about. <laughs> so the, I mean, the only the only other thing I have is just a just a reminder. Uh, it was in the news again. Um, and this is just pertains to New York State. The New York State Farm Overtime still has not actually finally finalized, and I just want to make that clear because it, it continues to be in the news. Um, there, there was an opinion offered by the labor board, the wage board, to shift agricultural overtime gradually down from sixty hours a week to forty. Uh, that still has not yet been adopted uh, by the Commissioner of Labor, and the law requires that a recommendation be made and it gets adopted. Um, so, so we do not yet know exactly what will happen there. Uh, but it was in the news because there is some federal legislation that has been proposed to restrict the states from being able to do that. Um, but again, I just as a reminder that it hasn't actually happened yet. The federal legislation is probably not likely to to happen, but it is. It, it's. I just want to make sure you understand sort of the nature of what's going on right now, which is just that nothing has actually happened yet. And when it does happen, it, at least the way it's been proposed by the the board is that it, it will be a very gradual process. So I think just the key takeaway right now is you don't actually have to pay overtime when your workers during harvest hit 42, 50 hours, uh, unless they're not getting a day of rest. So I just wanna make sure that, you know, growers understand how they must reimburse their workers during harvest because it's a, it's a difficult time to do payroll depending on how you manage it because you've got, you know, so many other things going on. So just to be clear, and I'm just for me as, my own brain they do not have to pay overtime over 40 hours until they hit 60 during harvest correct right so it's you right now it's the same as it was time. last year or last week or whatever the year before in new york state it's it's after 60 hours or on that day of rest okay and in pennsylvania of course there is still no overtime that's mandatory at all in agriculture the wineries you know they they have their own thing going on in wineries they know they know what they're doing because it hasn't changed at all and it, it won't change because they're the same as everybody else. Well, that's good news. One less thing to think about during this hectic time. <laughs> yeah, that, that's about all I have for this week. Uh, a little bit of a brief update, um, but we will be back next week. Thank you all for joining us. Uh, please feel, re feel free to reach out. You can text message us or send us an email. Uh, we I know you're in your harvesters, so um, Feel free to reach out in any way that's convenient for you and we can address whatever you want via podcast and crop update. Yeah, thanks for your input and your support and please be safe out there during this harvest season. Yeah, good luck. Thank you. Have a great week.